Well, turn in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 16. We're continuing, of course, our study of the history of the nation of Israel. What we've been doing is going through it, seeing the kings, seeing the life of David right now. He's the great king. In 1 Samuel, there was Samuel, and then was Saul, who was the first king. In 2 Samuel, it's primarily about the life of David. And so we've been seeing some great things. Now, as the place we are right now in 2 Samuel 16, it's a time of trouble. David is a man after God's own heart, and yet he sinned. He sinned with Bathsheba. He committed adultery. He actually committed murder. And there are consequences, as the Bible says in uh, Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. And so there are consequences. And so following his sin with Bathsheba, he is experiencing discipline from God and consequences that one of the prophets, a prophet by the, Nathan came, by the name of Nathan, came to him and said, here's what God says. And so what we've seen, though, through all of this is David trusts God in the trials. And that's one of the things that's amazing. We see that his son has rebelled against him. His son, his name's Absalom. He wants to take the kingdom away from his father. He wants to kill his father. David is front running for his life, as we might say, as Absalom declares himself to be the king. Well, this morning, as we're following along this story, and this is where we are, that Absalom has just taken over and David's running, basically leaving Jerusalem with a bunch of people with him. This morning, we're going to see three people. And do they help or do they hurt? We're going, one helps himself, one hurts David, one helps David. Now, I want you to understand something, that when things go wrong in our lives, and they do, and there are things, there are times that there are problems and trials in our lives, that's what's happened to David, we're going to see that sometimes people use that to their advantage, that they use us to get what they want. That's going to be the first guy, he helps himself. Then we're going to see one hurts David. Sometimes when things go wrong that people want to kick us when we're down. People want to be against us. When something happens to us, they're, they're not for us. They want to get, get us down. And then there's sometimes the one helps David that a friend, a true friend will come and help you. And so as we look at this passage, we're going to see one helps himself. He, he tries to use what happens to David for his advantage. Second, one hurts David. He wants to do everything he can to get back at David. And then one who is a true friend who helps David. And so we'll see it as we go through these passages. There's some great things. Well, you know that throughout history, uh, throughout history, really, of our even our city and our state and our world, there have been all kind of terrible things. There are things like the Oklahoma City bombing and the 9-11 and some hurricanes and tsunamis and things like that. And, you know, those kind of events, they happen to people, and it usually brings out either the best or the worst in people. And sometimes like a tragedy happens, you'll see people come to help, and then you'll see people come to do things. It's been almost 30 years ago that there was a tornado in, in Stillwater, and it hit our subdivision where I was living at the time, where our family was living, and it didn't really harm our house very much, the roof and some other things, but it was pretty bad that they had to uh, bring in the National Guard, because they hadn't even electricity, didn't have anything. The National Guard came, and you'd say, why did you bring the National Guard? You know why? To keep people from what? From looting. So in a tragedy like that, there were people who brought food, who brought clothes, who did all kinds of things. But at the same time, there were people who were looking for opportunities to steal and to rob. So sometimes when things go wrong, there are people that do good to help you. And there's sometimes people who do bad to try to hurt you. As we look at these people in David's lives this morning, we're going to see one helps him to his advantage. He uses what happens to David for his advantage. Second, there's one who hurts David. His goal is to get David back. And it's sort of like sometimes in life when something goes wrong with a person, there are people who are willing to kick him when he's down, so to speak. And then one helps David. He's a loyal friend, and he stands by David no matter what goes on. And in our lives, you're going to find that when things happen in your life, there are going to be people who will try to use it for their advantage. There are going to be people who will try to hurt you. And there are going to be people who will try to help you. 
And so we're going to look at it, and we'll see it in the life of David this morning. Let's remember where we are. Absalom has now taken the kingdom. He stole the hearts of the people. He's blown the trumpet. He's declared himself the king, and King David is fleeing Jerusalem. Now, let me remind you of something. King David's not fleeing because he's afraid. David is a great warrior. He's been killing, I mean, he killed Goliath when he was like 15 years old. So David is a great warrior, but he realizes, first of all, that he can't win because the city is going to be in bad shape, and he doesn't want Jerusalem destroyed. So he's trying to protect the people, so he leaves the city. And he's going out, and if we saw last week, they leave and they go out what's called the Eastern Gate. They go across the Kidron Valley. They go up what is called the, the Mount of Olives. They get to the top of Mount of Olives. They're going to go over the Mount of Olives and then travel all the way about 20-something miles to get to the Jordan River. That's what's going to happen. They're on the way. In fact, last week, we see them. They're going up the, the Mount of Olives is basically where they are. And even in, in this terrible thing that's happened to David, and he's running for his life. His own son wants to kill him. All the people have rebelled against him. He's still got his loyal friends. They're leaving. David continues to trust God. That's what he does. He wrote Psalm chapter 3 at this time. We saw it last week, and he basically says he trusts God. He rests in him at this time. Well, I want to remind you what's going on, and here's what we see. We saw there's the priest called Zadok and Abathar, and then David has a good friend by the name of Hushi. Here's what David decided. As David is leaving, the priests come with the Ark of the Covenant. And they're not supposed to have brought that. They bring it. David says, what are you doing? And they said, we brought the Ark. And he said, take it back to Jerusalem. Because if Lord wills, one day I'll get to see it again. But if not, don't bring the Ark out here. And then he tells those two priests, Zabbok and Abathar, I need your help. So he sends Hushi. Hushi has been one of David's advisors. He sends Hushi to go back and go to Absalom and pretend to be on Absalom's side. And you say, why would he do that? Because he says, here's what I want you to do. Get there, Hushi. Find out what Absalom's planning to do. You go tell the two priests, Zadok and Abathar. Zadok and Abathar will go tell their two sons, and their two sons will come and find me and tell me what's going on. So that's the plan. So David has Hushi there to find out what's going on. They'll tell the priest. The priest will tell their sons. The sons will come and tell David. That's the plan. So David is now leaving. And we saw last week, sad. David has taken his shoes off in a sign of mourning. He's covered his head. The people are all coming out. They're all weeping as they go up the Mount of Olives, leaving the city of Jerusalem. And uh, Absalom is about to come take the city. As we look, we see these three people. Ziba helps himself. We'll talk about who he is in just a minute. And this is, this is the kind of person that when you're in trouble, they use it to their advantage. Then we see a guy named Shimi who hurts David. And we're going to find that this is the kind of person that when you're in trouble or when things go wrong, they kick you when you're down. They're against you. And then there's a guy named Hushi, which we just mentioned. He helps David. He's a loyal friend. And there will be those people that when you have trials in your life and problems, they will be there to help you. So that's where we are. And let me break down the passage for you. Let me just show you uh, the, the outline of the flow. We're going to, David meets this guy named Ziba. That's the first four verses. And then we meet this guy named Shimmy. He's a bad guy. We'll meet him. And then Absalom comes into the city and we'll see uh, who she, and then we'll meet this guy. I always talked about this guy named Ahithophel. We've already talked to him, uh, talked about him already. Now, let me read, look at chapter 16, look at verse 1. Now, when David had passed a little beyond the summit, behold, Ziba, 
the servant of Mephibosheth met him with a, with a couple of saddle donkeys, and on them were 200 loaves of bread, 100 clusters of raisins, 100 summer fruits, and a jug of wine. Now, who is this man? Let me remind you. David's best friend, growing up, was a man by the name of Jonathan. He was Saul, the first king's son. David and Jonathan were best friends. They had made a deal. David said to Jonathan, David, uh, Jonathan, if I ever die, you take care of my kids. And Jonathan said, well, if I ever die, you take care of my kids. Well, Jonathan got killed in a battle with the Philistines. And when David became king, he said, is there any kids left of Jonathan? And there was a son by the name of Mephibosheth. And when this little boy was three years old, there was a battle. They picked him up to run out with him to save his life, and his nurse dropped him. Somehow it damaged his legs. He could never walk. And so Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth who was lame. When David found out about it, when David became the king, David said to Mephibosheth, you come, you're going to live with me. All the land that used to belong to your family, I'm giving it to you. You've got a servant. His name is going to be Ziba. He's going to serve you. You will eat at my table for the rest of your life. That's what David did for Mephibosheth. Now, as where David is leaving the city, we find that man named Ziba, who was actually the servant of Mephibosheth, we find him coming. And look, I'm going to entitle it this, Ziba helps himself. Ziba uses David's problems for his own advantage. And sometimes in our lives, when things go wrong, there'll be people who will use it for their advantage. Watch what happens. Chapter 16, verse 1 again says, Now when David had passed a little beyond the summit, they're at the top of the Mount of Olives, they're about to go over it. Uh, Behold, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, there he is, that's Jonathan's son, who David has been taken care of. Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him with a couple of saddle donkeys, and on them were 200 loaves of bread, and 100 clusters of raisins, and 100 summer fruits, and a jug of wine. So he meets them, he comes out there, and you can see David going, well, look, Ziba, what do you got? And so he says, the king said to Ziba, why do you have these? And Ziba said, the donkeys are for the king's household to ride, and the bread and the summer fruit is for the young men to eat, and the wine for whoever is faint for the wilderness to drink. So Ziba says, I brought all this out there for you, King David. I brought all this out for you. Now, why is he doing this? He's going to get on David. He's using this. Now, the first question you would ask if you were David is, where's Mephibosheth? I mean, you belong to Mephibosheth. I've been taking care of Mephibosheth for all these years. Where is he? Why isn't he here? So look, David raises the question, and that, that where's Mephibosheth? Why, why is Mephibosheth not come? So verse 3, the king said, and where is your master's son? And Ziba said to the king, behold, he's staying in Jerusalem, for he said, today the house of Israel will be restored the kingdom of my father to me. Ziba says that Mephibosheth wanted to stay in Jerusalem so he could become king. Now, let me just tell you something. We've all been reading this together, and we've been studying this for a while. Do you think Mephibosheth is the kind of guy that would decide to become the king? He can't even walk. He's been taken care of by David. He says to David, uh, he said, David, you're like, you're, you're like an angel to me. You have taken care of me. Do you think Mephibosheth is going to stay in Jerusalem and then claim to be the king? We'd say, of course not, but that's what Ziba says. 
Ziba says he decided to stay in Jerusalem and become the king. Now, what we know about Mephibosheth, that doesn't seem right at all. Could he be that ungrateful? Could he really think that he's going to take over as the king? Well, we'll find out because we're going to see Mephibosheth later. But Ziba is out to help himself. He wants to make himself look good and Mephibosheth look bad. I want you to understand that sometimes in your life, when things go wrong, there are going to be people trying to take advantage of you while you're in trouble. While things are going wrong in your life, they're going to use you. They're going to take advantage of you. And let me tell you, David doesn't have time to find out what's going on. He's running for his life. And this Ziba says, Mephibosheth's decided to stay back. He wants to become the king. David can't say, look, send somebody to get Mephibosheth and let's find out what's going on. He can't do that. He's running for his life. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He doesn't know. So what's he going to do? Well, I want you to understand something. We don't have to do wrong to get what we think we want. See, Ziva says, I want something. I want property. I want land. I want power. And the best way to get it is to lie, is to tell David that Mephibosheth's against him. And somehow I'm going to get an advantage out of this thing. And what does David do? Verse 4, the king said to Ziva, Behold, all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. He said, I just, I'm, I'll give everything that I have already given to Mephibosheth, I give it to you. Mephibosheth said, Whoa, this is even better than I thought. This is going to turn out good for me. Let me just say something. It doesn't always turn out good when you lie. Okay? In fact, it rarely turns out good when you lie. So the king said to Ziba, behold, all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. And Ziba said, I prostrate myself, I fall before you. Let me find favor in your sight, O my lord, the king. He gave, David gave everything to Ziba. Now, do you think David maybe made a mistake? You think David's not thinking clearly? Do you think David is too hasty? Do you think David should have said, I, I don't know what to think about all this. We'll solve it some other time. He could have done that, but he said, no, no, you got it all. We might see what happens a little bit later. So we need a man who uses David's troubles for his advantage. In your life, sometimes when things go wrong, there will be people using your trouble for their advantage. Okay, let's meet somebody else. His name is Shimi. This is the guy that wants to hurt David. He's a man from the house of Saul. Look at verse 5. When King David came to Burham, that's basically a little bit over the top of the hill, behold, there came out from there a man of the family of Saul, remember Saul was the first king, whose name was Shimi, the son of Gera. He came out cursing continually as he came. Now he comes, he's from the house of Saul. Let me go back here. He's from the house of Saul. That means he's a descendant of King Saul and Jonathan and all of that. He doesn't like David. In fact, he hates David. And he's against David. So watch what he does. He comes out cursing continually. Now, by the way, when he's cursing, he's not saying like bad words, not curse words. He's cursing David. He's saying something like, may God curse you. May God destroy you. May God take care of you. That's what he's doing. Notice, he goes on to say, he threw stones at David and all of the servants of King David and all of the people and all of the mighty men who are at the right hand and the left hand. Would you throw stones at the mighty men? 
I, I wouldn't throw stones at the mighty men. We know what the mighty men are. They were men that David, that 30, there were 30 mighty men, and then there were some called the three, which were even greater than the mighty men. And so uh, they're throwing rocks. This guy is throwing rocks at David and the mighty men as they're leaving the city. Now, first of all, you think, you don't, have, you don't have good sense. I mean, you know, let's think about it. But he's cursing David. And he's saying some bad things about David. And he is accusing him. Look at verse 7. Shimei said when he cursed, Get out, get out, you man of bloodshed, you worthless fellow. The Lord has returned upon you all the bloodshed of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given him the kingdom in the hand of your son Absalom. And behold, you are taken in your own evil, for you're a man of bloodshed. Now what this man is doing, he's accusing David of killing Saul. He's accusing David of taking the kingdom away from Saul. And he's accusing him of kill, killing one of Saul's sons named Ithbosheth and killing Saul's leader, Abner. Now David didn't kill any of those people. Saul was killed in the battle of the Philistines. In fact, he killed himself. And Ishbosheth was, was killed by uh, Abner and Ab, uh, by someone. And then Abner was killed by Joab. And so David didn't kill any of these people. But he's accusing David of killing people and taking the kingdom for himself. Now, if you were with David and you were one of David's mighty men, what would you do? You'd say, I got a sword. I'm just going to go kill that guy because I'm not going to have him cursing the king. I'm not going to do that. I mean, that's what you do. Uh, he's saying some bad things. So what we've seen is that Ziba helped himself. He used David. He uses. Then Shimei hurts David. When things go wrong in your life, there will be people who will be against you, and they'll hurt you on purpose. They will try to hurt you. They will kick you when you're down. That's what sometimes people say. And, and this man who is an enemy of David is using this opportunity to curse David, to throw rocks at David. And sometimes people hurt other people when people are down. And so be careful. And we've seen two things so far. That when things go wrong in your life, there'll be people to use it for their advantage. When, people think, when things go wrong in your life, there'll be people who try to hurt you on purpose. Well, look at verse 9. Then Abishai, the son of Jerurah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Let me go over now and I'll cut off his head. That's exactly what we thought somebody would say. Abishai said, I'll go get him. I'll cut off his head. Now, Abishai is David's nephew. David had a sister, uh, had a sister named Zerah, and she had a son named Ashiel who got killed. And then she has the son named Abishai, and then had a son named Joab. And remember, we've talked about these people. Joab and Abishai are two amazing men. They can be very, very good, and they can be very, very bad. You want to be really on the good side of these two men because they, they could kill you any minute. Abishai says to David, I'll just go cut that guy's head off. He's not going to throw rocks over here. He's not going to curse my king. I'm not going to let him get away with this. So what's David going to do? Is David going to say, yeah, I'll go cut off his head? No, watch what David does. Verse 10, but the king said, what have I to do with you, O son of Zerah? If he curses and if the Lord told him, curse David, then who shall say, why have you done this? Why have you done so? Then David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my son who came out from me seeks my life. How much more this Benjamite? Let him alone. Let him curse, for the Lord has told him. What he's really saying, listen, if this is from God, I have to endure it. This is part of the consequences of what I've done, and, and I'm leaving. And see, sometimes in our lives, there are things that go wrong, and there are things that happen, and we just have to say, Lord, I don't know, we understand it all, 
but I have to trust you. David is trusting God in the middle of this. In fact, he's even saying God is allowing this to happen. All things that come into our lives are allowed by God. He is the sovereign ruler of all things. Nothing touches us unless it is passed through by God. When you remember the book of Job and the story of how the how God, devil couldn't do anything to Job unless God allowed it. And nothing's going to come into your life unless God allows it. And so we have to trust him. And that's what David is doing. He's trusting him. Look at verse 12. He says, perhaps the Lord will look on my affliction and return good to me instead of his curse in this day. He says, who knows? One of these days, my God may turn this thing around and instead of me being cursed, I'll be blessed again. David continues to trust God. Let me tell you, when the problems come, when the trials come, you have to trust God. You have to keep trusting him. There's, there's, that's what it is. And we see David in the midst of this, trusting God. So you got this man named Ziba who lies to get an advantage. We see this man named Hushi, uh, uh, Shimi who's, who is cursing David because he hates him and wants to get him back. And we see David continuing to trust God. You know, uh, Christians are sort of famous for shooting their own, as they say, shooting their wounded. When something goes wrong in somebody's life, a lot of people begin to attack them. Look what happened. So David and his men went on their way. This is verse 13. And Shimei went on the hillside parallel with him. And as he went, he cursed and he cast stones and he threw dust at him. And the king and all the people who were with him arrived weary and he refreshed himself there. As they go up the hill to get up over, to get out of Jerusalem, Shema is walk, uh, walking with them and throwing rocks and throwing dirt and screaming at David and calling him and cursing him. Let, let me just say this. Um, he's going to probably regret this. You know, he is assuming that David's not coming back. He's assuming that Absalom is going to take the kingship and David's not coming back. Guess what? David's coming back. And one of these days, this guy, he's going to have to meet David and recall what he has done. Be careful when you start attacking other people. So this is what he's done. You remember when David, write, David writes Psalm 3 at this time, and part of Psalm 3 says, my enemies are surrounding me, but God protects me. And then he says, salvation and help are from God. And by the way, when he says salvation in that psalm, he's not talking about eternal life salvation. He's talking about physical deliverance. Most of the references in the Old Testament that say salvation are dealing with a physical deliverance. Just look at the context of the passages. And so David is writing this psalm and saying, thank you, Lord, for helping me. You got Ziba, who uses David. Sometimes people will use you. We got Shimei, who hurts David. Sometimes people are going to hurt you. And then we got one more, and his name is Hushi. And he's David's advisor. He's going to help David. Now, you remember this, that when Absalom becomes the king, he's got an advisor named Ahithophel, who was Bathsheba's grandfather, who hated David. So he's on Absalom's side. Hushi is on David's side, but he's going to go back and pretend to be on Absalom's side so he can find out what's going on. So watch what happens. Look at verse 15. Then Absalom and all the people, uh, the men of Israel, the, all the people, the men of Israel entered Jerusalem and Ahithophel with them. So they all came in. Ahithophel is there. Just remember, Ahithophel is really amazing. It goes on to say, now it came about when Hushi, the archite, David's friend, now the word friend there actually means advisor. David's advisor came to Absalom 
that Hushi said to Absalom, long live the king, long live the king. Now, can you imagine? Hushi goes to Absalom and goes, long live the king, long live the king. I think inside he's saying, yeah, the king is David. I'm, I'm, I'm saying long live the king, but I'm really for David. But I'm saying this so Absalom will believe I'm for him. Now, so he comes up and says, long live the king. Well, what, what in the world? As I said, that uh, he's long lived the king, most likely it's for David. Look what Absalom does. Now, Absalom's not stupid. Look what Absalom says. Absalom said to Hushi, verse 17, is this your loyalty, your friend? Why did you not go with your friend? He said, wait a minute. You're not my friend, you're David's friend. Why aren't you with David? I thought that he was your friend. You were an advisor to him. Why are you coming to be with me? Now, he asked a, a logical question. So look what he says. Then who she said to Absalom, verse 18, No, for whom the Lord, this people, and all the men of Israel have chosen, his I will be, and with him I will remain. He's saying, whoever is king, I'm going to be there. Notice he goes on to say, besides, whom should I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of his son? As I've served in your father's presence, so I'll be in your presence. He actually says, listen, my job is to serve the king, and if you're now the king, I'm here to serve you. Absalom buys this. He goes, really? Okay. Well, that's good. I got two advisors. He's tricking him. Who she is tricking Absalom. His goal is to stop the counsel of Ahithophel. Now, we're going to read it at the very end of the passage, that Ahithophel was very wise and very smart. And David knew that whatever counsel Ahithophel gave, it would be right. It would be bad for David. So he's got Hushi there to be a counselor, to be an advisor, hopefully can stop it. And so he's trying to trick him. So look what happens. He says, so as, as I serve the, the father, I will serve the son. Verse 20, then Absalom said to Hithphel, give your advice, what shall we do? Now you can see that Absalom is now the king and he turns to his advisor Ahithophel, who is wise, and says, what, what should I do? What should I do first? What should we do? Now Hithophel is pretty smart and watch what he says. He, he says, <clears throat> verse 21, Ahithophel said to Absalom, go into your father's concubines whom he has left to keep the house then all Israel will hear that you have made yourself odious to your father. The hands of all who are with you will also be strengthened. Now, what did he say to do? Do you remember that when David left, he left 10 women to keep the palace. They were called concubines, which were part wife, part slave. They were, they were, they were considered his wives, but they were also considered slaves. He left those 10 women there and he's gone. Absalom says to Ahithophel, what should I do? He says, go have sex with those 10 women. And then when, they, when you have sex with those women, it will show you're the king and that you and David will never get back together again. Because for you to do that, for someone to take the king's wives is to say, I'm the new king. And so he says, have sexual relations with those women. And when you do that, everybody will see it. It will show that you're the king, and it will show there's no reconciliation for David. He'll never be able to come back. You'll never be reconciled again. So either you're going to be the king or not going to be the king. Everybody's going to know that. So look what he did, verse 22. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the roof, and Absalom went into his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel on the roof of, of the palace. They put a tent up, and they put the women in there. 
And Absalom went in there and everybody knew what he was doing. And by the way, this fulfills a prophecy. Let me read something to you. You don't have to turn there. But this is 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 11 says, Thus says the Lord, this is God speaking to David through the prophet. Behold, I will raise up evil against you from your own household. That's his sons, Absalom, Amnon. I will even take your wives before your eyes and give them to your companion, and he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. That's exactly what happens. Indeed, you did it secretly with Bathsheba. I will do this thing before all Israel under the sun. This is a fulfilled prophecy. Is this horrible or what? This is horrible. David's run out. I got people against him. And so you've got one who's using it for their advantage. You've got one who hates David and wants to hurt David. You've got one who's trying everything he can to help David. Look how the, verse, the passage ends. This, the advice of Ahithophel, verse 23, the advice of Ahithophel, which was given in those days, was as if one inquired of the word of God. So was all the advice of Ahithophel regarded by both David and Absalom. Listen, when Ahithophel gave advice, everybody went, wow, that sounds right to me. And that's exactly what happened there. Now, Hushai is there to stop the counsel of Ahithophel. And we're going to see what happens. So we see these three people. Ziba helped himself, brought food, and lied. There are going to always be some people who will use your, dis- your hurt and your sorrow for their advantage. There's a guy named Shimei who hurt David. He cursed and threw rocks. There are going to always be people that when you're hurting, they're going to kick you when you're down on purpose. And then there's Hushi who helped David, who tricked Absalom. There are going to be always people who will love you and support you and be with you when you're going through the trials of life. So let me give you some quick applications. Let's live our lives by helping others. Look, we can either live for self or live for God. We can either, as Philippians says, look out for the needs of others in our relationships. Think about it. We can, we can use them for our advantage. We, when people are hurting, we can use it uh, to, to hurt them, to get an advantage. We can use uh, our relationship to hurt people or to help people. Now, what is the bottom line? The bottom line is uh, we want to allow God to use us not to hurt other people, but to build others up. Sometime in your life, you're going to be hurting. And there may be those who try to take advantage. There may be those who try to hurt you. And hopefully, there'll be those who built you up. And sometimes, they're going to be your friends hurting. And you can either use it for your advantage somehow, or to kick them while they're down, or to show your love and your grace to help them as they go through that trial. The second one is let's trust God as we go through the events and circumstances of life. Listen, God's word is always true, always comes to pass. We're seeing it. God said that there'll be problems in your own household. There've been problems with two of his sons already. We see the problems with Absalom now. We see all of these issues. God's word is true, but God is in control. And we need to rest in his sovereignty as David is trusting him in this thing. And so there's the question, how do we respond in the trials of life? We need to do what David did. David said, I trust God. No matter what's going on, take the ark back. This guy's cursing me. I'm going to trust God. Whatever goes on in my life, I'm going to trust God. We must realize all things that come into our lives, God allows. And we must trust him to help us grow. May we do that.